Um, so these are at a fist distance. Fist dist. Yeah, exactly. Fist dist. Okay. I'm gonna open this before I ruin the recording. That was this really loud. Brought to you by the cold, refreshing sound of cans opening. I'm glad you didn't say the brand. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I found out that that's not because people are worried about getting sued. It's because they want to uh, be able to get sponsored by that brand later and yeah. not give it away for free. Yep. Uh, but yeah, if you want to guess what that can was, uh, <laughs> tweet at me. And if you get it right in one, I will save it for you and give you one. Aww. How does that sound? Cool. Uh, but there's only going to be one guess. And if the first person gets it wrong, the second person can't win. <sighs> so you've all got to talk to each other before tweeting at me. Maybe you should give them one little clue just to make it a little bit more even keel. The can is reflective. <laughs> Very reflective. And it has uh, a brown collar in it. But it's flavored. Woo! That's, that was a very helpful hint, but also it could still, it's very easy to get that wrong. Mm. And uh, that flavor might be cola, but it might not. Whoa. Anyway, okay, I'm, I'm actually legit going to do this. If anyone does guess it <laughs> at all, then I'll, I'll buy you one. How, how's that sound? And then uh, I guess I have to meet you too in that scenario. Wow. Um, you know, m meet your hero of the uh, smash hit podcast, Comedy Zeitgeist. You get uh, I, that kind of soda pop, and you get to meet Doug. Maybe I better do an intro, so people know who we are. Uh, yeah, okay. Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist, and pester me at Doug Vandalay for that uh, can of miscellaneous cola. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9, here for the first 30 minutes of the show. Surely not. I'm joined today by Shirley No. Uh, Award-winning uh, comedian and songstress. So they tell me. Anyway, how's it going, Shirley? It's really, really good. It's a beautiful day here on the West Coast, so it's hard to be depressed, but, you know, I will. I'll get there. Uh, anything going on you want to talk about in this private... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always thought it was... It's kind of a thing where you ask how someone is, you know? Hmm. And, I mean, if we answered honestly, it would be so awkward at the beginning of every conversation because generally, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't okay, but we are just sort of told we have to say that, you know. It's not about the answer. It's just about, I'm showing that I care, but please don't answer honestly because we need to just, you know, have some small talk first before we get into it. In a way, it's kind of a hostile question. Totally. It's very personal, invasive, um, intimate. And it's the second thing you say, usually. I find it odd. I feel like an asshole with, like, whatever reply I give. Yeah. Because, like, if I'm in a bad mood and I say I'm good, I feel like a liar. And yeah. then if I'm in a bad mood and I say I'm bad, then... You've made it the other person's sort of part of their day, then. Yeah. In that interaction. So how are you, Shirley? I'm sleepy. That's You're my, sleepy? Yeah, I, I don't know. I get, like, a I get really sleepy right around this time of day, so I feel kind of like... You're going to get like a somnambulic version of me. Oh, that's a $5 word on a, on a $1 podcast. <laughs> uh, can I get you a cup of coffee or tea or anything? No, because what will happen is I'll be awake and then I'll be awake until five in the morning. I'm very sensitive to stimulants. So I'm just going to hope that you stimulate me with the podcast conversation that we're going to have. Well, let's see what happens. Okay. Uh, so your fourth comedy album... Taking it up the notch mm -hmm. is now available on vinyl from 604 Records. Yeah. 
Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Refuckable campaign? Ah, uh, well, um, <laughs> we uh, we uh, thought me and the and the label, the label and I, that um, it would be instead of making a commercial for the vinyl, it would be funnier to make a commercial for a fake product and then tag the vinyl on at the end. I thought it would be really cool if if I was making my own condoms and and then we were sort of talking about. Those sort of typical of the 90s, those sort of Calvin Klein commercials, very, very serious, black and white, pretentious kind of um, style of commercials and how fun they w- would be to parody. And so I thought, you know, especially when we're talking a lot about consent culture and uh, and bad sex and a whole bunch of stuff and uh, expectations of women who are... Um, ethically promiscuous that there'd be a lot to talk about about what it means to have a good sexual encounter and um why and put that into uh, a commercial form so we uh shot this with uh, sasha who's not working with the label anymore she's moved on and we're all very proud of her but she's wonderful and so she basically spearheaded filming everything and we went out to the park and i wrote a script and we just talked about uh, what makes somebody refuckable when you fuck them the first time you know what is it that gets you that second date uh, and it turns out there's a list of do's and don'ts that are somewhat universal. Uh, not completely, obviously. We all have different parts, but a lot of it was about communicating and reciprocation and uh, and using protection. So I uh, thought it was good for a condom campaign. And then uh, we just tacked the vinyl on at the end. <laughs> Is that condom real? Do people really get it with the vinyl? Yes. So there's the real condoms. I believe they're Durex condoms, but you, we got them repackaged with my album on them on the, on the cover. The cover of them on the actual condom. So, yeah, when you buy one, I, I don't force people to take the condoms, but if they want a free condom, they get one when they buy the vinyl from me. And I think from the label as well, if you go to the website and buy it there, they'll pop one in too. You should take it anyway. I mean... I mean, it's a hot pink condom for anything. You could use it for multiple purposes. <laughs> well, for instance, if, if, if you don't use it uh, for its intended purpose, mm. the last place I lived, we didn't have a bath plug. <laughs> And so what we did is we got a condom, filled it with toilet paper and cut a little disc out of cardboard and just Uh jammed that in the hole Nice. when we wanted to take a bath. Yeah. And uh, that worked. But, uh, you know, eventually through condensation or some kind, maybe it was a faulty condom, maybe maybe, uh, someone would be poking holes in it. I don't know. And... It got soggy, and so, you know, it had the, the look of the wet toilet paper inside it. And we let that hanging over the edge of the bath while we had people looking through to rent the place. <laughs> but considering the Vancouver rental market, it was still, it was yeah. it was on Craigslist for about 20 hours yeah. before it yeah. got snatched up. That, there you have it. <laughs> Proofs in the toilet paper in the condom. So a place with five 5'11 ceilings and... Uh, <sighs> Uh, a used condom draped over the tub and wow. uh, snatched up just like that. Yeah, there you go, Vancouver. That's that's how far your standards have fallen, baby. That's what you'll take. So, uh, how about the album itself? Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, I like it. Uh, it's won a few awards, as I understand. Did it? A, a oh well, the the accompanying theater show has. Yeah. 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 Right. So the, it got to number one on the iTunes comedy charts, which I guess is sort of a, a feather in my cap and something that definitely impresses people. It's an accolade. It's an accolade. Yes, I did get accoladed on that. Um, and then I went and I toured the actual music from that show in a cabaret piece and that won a few awards and and generally people also enjoyed it, which is more important. Uh, you were mentioning before we started recording that you went to my hometown of Perth. I did. Was that with that show? Uh-huh. 
Uh, I went with that one and the one before it from my with material from my previous album as well. So yeah, um, I think I, in fact I debuted the show in Fremantle and then I did it at Perth. Yeah, so that's where Bon Scott is buried. Where who? Bon Scott from ACDC. He's buried in Fremantle. Yeah, it's where he was born too. There's a statue <laughs> of him in the cemetery. <laughs> oh. How am I only fighting out about this now? I would have totally gone and looked at it. Yeah, you missed uh, about like one out of two things to see in Perth other than the Dingo Flower Factory. <laughs> Which I did see. You did see? I did see in that. In North Rio? Yeah, it was pointed out to me by a local. So one out of two ain't bad, I guess. So this is a bit of an urban legend, which mm. I mean, I'm dispelling before I even bring it up. But have you heard of Alan Bond? No. He's sort of the, the most notorious white collar criminal Perth has ever seen. Mm. Um, ended up serving, he said, one week in prison for every million dollars he stole. Uh, and the prison was Carnot Prison Farm, so he was just trim- trimming olive trees. But anyway, <laughs> the legend goes that, because uh, he used to be a sign painter, is that he painted the Dingo Flower Factory. Right. Yeah. Apparently it's not true. I like to believe oh, that it is. That would have been, you know, a neat little bow on that part of the world, but... Uh... His grandson went to my high school. Yeah? What was At- he like? absolute bastard i don't yeah. know what he's like now maybe he's changed maybe People not can change sometimes yeah mm. yeah money will do that to you i think yeah it can really spoil somebody and give them a skewed perspective e we were talking about something else someone else actually that went to my high school beforehand. oh yes one of my big influences and that's uh tim minchin yep I mean, he's not the subject of today's podcast, but maybe we talk about him a little bit. We might off as the well, because you're from Perth. You're a Perthling. Tim Minchin's a Perthling. That's right. You know? So at least two cool people are from Perth. At least two. So I'm guessing you're talking about Bon Scott and Tim Minchin? Yeah. Okay, three. <laughs> Heath Ledger. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I love Tim Minchin. I, 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 um, in the circles that I run in in Australia, I, I'm probably one or two degrees separated from him, but I've never actually met him. But I have definitely soaked in his albums. I saw him live in Toronto. I think one of the only times he came to Canada was to Toronto, and I got a free ticket through my friend Wes. And it was a transcendental experience. I just think he's just next level in terms of, you know, music and humor and brilliance. So uh, I just, I love, yeah, I love him. What's your favorite track of his? That is a tough question. Well, I mean, I'm thinking like a whole bunch are just like floating. All right, what's the it. first one that you can think of? The first one I thought of was, um, it's called, what is it called? A 12 foot cock and a 300 virgins. I think it's what it actually, that's, maybe that's what it's called. Paradise might be called paradise. It's the one he's making fun of, um, suicide bombers essentially. It's, right. It's brilliant. And it's not what I would call one of his laugh out loud tracks, but I think it's just, I mean, it's the first one I think of just because uh, it's so scathing and so, and it rolls out and all the, the, all of it kind of like the sequence by which he presents his argument essentially is just so well done and it's catchy and he's beautiful on the piano on that one too, which is kind of culminates all the sort of things that he's wonderful for to me. Yeah. I think his main thing is the, uh, just saying the content of his songs wouldn't be so good as stand up. Yes. But, but the way he presents it through his music. Yeah. You know what? My favorite song, I know what it is. It's it's Thank You, God. I don't know that one. Oh, man. It's so sarcastic and tongue-in-cheek. He's being such a dick, and it's so great. It's essentially someone presents the argument that a bunch of people prayed for uh, a guy called Sam's mother for her cataracts to heal. And everyone prayed, and her cataracts did heal. So that's proof that there's God. And then the song that he writes is him 
he's saying that he's like admitting that that he's right but the undercutting of the whole song is that he's absolutely wrong and for all the reasons that people create um, confirmation biases and and the sort of fallacies of faith he just lays them out in this beautiful sort of latin salsa beat it's just he's just the best (laughs) the one that springs to mind for me that always gets stuck in my head is the only a ginger can call another oh, ginger. Yeah, that's the first song of his I ever heard. And it was really, that was probably one of his more popular ones in North America. I think uh, I was going to say here as well, but here is North America. Yes, I'm, I'm is. happy happy to say that here is North America. It is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that song is brilliant. It's quite brilliant. And what's, catchy too. What's your favorite track on uh, Taking Up the Notch? My favorite track? They all have like a, they were all the best for different reasons, I think. You, you know, but... Is this like Sophie's Choice? Yeah, yeah. Do I have to murder all the other songs? <laughs> yeah, you have to delete them and it's going to become a, a single. Oh man, well, they, they had a good run and hopefully people just stole them so that they can still exist. I guess it has to be the last track on side A or B if you're going to be cutting all these vinyls. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I like the first track, the song called Pillows, the, the first one. I'm really happy with how that turned out musically, comedically. I like the production value on that one. I love that two of my very good friends sing backups on that. So when I hear it, it just makes my heart happy on that level too. So it's got a little bit of everything I'm aiming for. And who would I to shout out on the podcast? Oh, my good friend Rusty, Rusty Cockles, and uh, Michelle Smith, who I've been singing with. I've been singing with both of them for over 10 years. So I think it's possible someone else talked about Rusty Cockles on one episode. Really? Yeah. Because uh, I, I feel like I've heard that name before, but it might have just been in my research today. Yeah, that, well, yeah, Rusty Cockles has sung on a few of my albums before, so. Right. And it, he was in, on my first album, too, yeah. Is so. that a character, or is he that lucky? That's a performer name, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a stage name. Could you imagine? Is Shirley uh, known well, a stage name? Can I ask that? Well, Shirley's my real first name, but my last name is a sort of English version of my Danish last name, so. With a little more research, you could probably figure out what it is, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess that's my penance for not even coming up with a... Because I was thinking I'm going to do something to do with a, with a gnome, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we never got there. Not yet, but at some point that's already been put in to the recording. You know, you figured it out and now uh, it's there and everyone enjoyed it, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a an absolute standout. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have edited in a laugh as well from yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, some laughing, maybe even some clapping, some yeah. like a standing ovation sound. What do you think is maybe the uh, most popular song from the album? Uh, I'm gonna say that is a gonna be a probably a tie between Pillows and a song called Humans or Animals too. It's one of those two. Well, it's nice that that, that aligns with uh, your favorite as well. Or do you yeah. Think, do you I think guess, that that's part of it? I think that is actually because very much when I started writing these songs, um, I didn't really have any inclinations of being a comedian or even really a performer. I, I had picked up the guitar because I really just love music very much and... At one point I thought, oh, maybe I'll learn how to play some songs because it's fun at parties. And then when I learned a couple of chords, I just started thinking of ideas. And the ideas were inspired by making my friends laugh. I just, like, they would tell me something they were embarrassed by or they felt, like, sheepish about or isolated by or something. Uh, And then I would write a song about it just to make them not feel bad about it and to have a good laugh. So that spirit kind of has continued through everything that I've done. And it's I'm very much doing it in service of the audience and like I just consider the audience a bunch of my friends that I want to make laugh so 
when people do like the songs, I tend to like them more too, because it means that I've kind of achieved that goal. It is about making people happy. That's, that's the whole thing. I, I come from that place, I think, always. Now that actually um, leads into my next question as well. I was going to ask, was music always part of your comedy and or was comedy always part of your music? Yep. Um, because I first saw you at the uh, Shiro show last year, right? which is a all-female solo sketch comedy night at the China Cloud. Yeah. And that was not a musical performance, though. It was musically based. Yes, that was yeah. my most non-musically thing I think I've ever done, <laughs> actually, what you, what you saw that night, um, which is I got influenced. I have a lot of friends now who are clowns. You know, and they do lots of wacky shit with music. So like I think, literally clowns? Yes. Like they uh, went to clown college? Like Some of them, yes, they went to Gallier. Have you heard of Gallier? No. Gallier is a French clown school and a French clown teacher who sort of created his own particular style that sort of world-renowned in the world of theater. And so a bunch of my buddies who I've met through touring, in, a lot of in Australia and the UK have gone there. And uh, they do some, they're just goofballs. They're not wearing red noses and that kind of thing. It's not that kind of clowning. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's just pure silliness and delight. Yes. Yeah. Often nonverbal, um, very much about the audience and connecting with the audience. This is a very simplified version of something I barely understand. So, I mean, if anyone is like, huh, clowns, then if you look up uh, Gallier, you'd find um, a bit more of an articulate explanation but in any case they do lots of wacky stuff that you could call sketch i think and it Mm. definitely fits into that um it would work in that scenario so that's sort of the influence that i brought to the shiro show that night when you saw me have you done that uh sketch again since then yep i did it at, at melbourne comedy festival a different version of it um sort of an extended version of it uh at the festival club uh for a comedy night called stamp town run by a bunch of fucking clowns so, but you is, it, is it the same clowns? The same clowns that, that are that my you, friends that you mentioned before. Yeah, they're my buddies, right. Zach and Vigo. They're a wonderful and successful pair of ding dongs. They're wonderful. Yeah, and that's that was their night. They were doing Wednesday nights at the festival club, and I, I was like, well, I've got this thing I've been working on, so I did that. It went over pretty well. It kind of freaked people out, but also made people laugh, and that was sort of the goal. <laughs> so, for the listeners, the basic premise of that sketch was the. Uh, I'm singing it's raining men and then it actually starts raining actual men. And then and then some other stuff happens, but some yeah. stuff happens. Some shit goes down. <laughs> that was my first ever comedy review that I wrote. Oh nice. Uh for Discorder magazine. Oh cool. Yeah. And um so that's why I remembered your name because I'd written it down before. Nice. And um yeah, I remember sure. I remember writing it down, I was like, uh, surely not. But there we go. <laughs> There's my joke from the beginning. You did it! Yeah. And it was probably also the review. Surely not. No, I, I uh, well, I had a very strict word count. Oh. And there was like, 10 odd performers that night. Yes, so it was a dense show. Everyone got about a sentence. Nice. Yours was a positive sentence. Whew. Uh, or two. I can't remember. There was Ooh. only there was only one performance that night that I didn't give a, a, a positive review of. And it wasn't a negative review because I never give negative reviews. Nice. Um, because there's no need to. It really isn't. You just, you just gloss over it. Yeah, don't give it any attention. Yeah, yep. that's it. Yeah, I And I don't think it was bad, I just didn't like it. Yeah, So then there is a big difference. A lot of reviewers don't understand that difference. They'll equate them not liking something to it being bad. I mean, there are certain things but not like uh, that I would review badly, Yeah, like films and things, but mm-hmm. not, not someone going up on stage. <laughs> it's too frightening. Respectful. Oh, I, yeah, I know. It's, isn't it funny? People ask me that all the time, and I used to get scared when I went up and... 
Now when I get scared, I'm excited that I'm scared because it means I'm doing something new and it's it's making my adrenaline run. And when your adrenaline goes, as long as you you funnel that feeling into positivity and not into your like feelings of inadequacy or whatever that come up from being vulnerable, you can take that and it's fucking rocket fuel. It'll just make you a better and sharper performer. But it's that's a that was a long a long uh, lesson for me to learn for sure. Let me ask you this: Do you? Google alert yourself? I did recently. Um, I think I was, I couldn't find a version of a photo that somebody wanted on my computer. And I was like, what the hell did I do that? And I'm like, well, it's got to be online. So I did a, I did a Google search for it and I did eventually find it. So that was good. But uh, it was fascinating to see what the, the Google, the, the auto, when it fills in the question, yeah. like all these things that came up, I'm like, oh, those, those are my, must be my most popular songs. Cause those are the ones people look for the most. And uh, hmm, some people seem to be trying to figure out, quote, what my real name is, end quote. So I was like, ah, stay away, stalkers. Uh, but I don't, I don't do it a lot. <laughs> you know. The, the reason I ask is because um, I have a Google alert for, uh, yes. for this show. Mm. But it's always just like something about comedy or something about the word zeitgeist yes. together. There's yeah. a much, two much more famous podcasts than this. One with the word comedy at front and one with the word zeitgeist at the end. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you get a lot of that. Get a lot of that. Uh, I have a Google, I have an alert from my name too. So if an article comes out about me, it'll email me. Oh, maybe you read my article once. I might have, although I'm, I don't know if I, I don't really remember. Oh, well, it's, it was, it was, uh, I think it was like a web exclusive for, Ooh. and it's for a college magazine. So mm -hmm. of a college that I, that I have never attended. <laughs> Do you have any plans uh, to release non-comedy music in the future? <laughs> nah. I know. I'm just a goofball. I don't think you can really choose your muse, you know? You just, uh, I picked up the guitar and that's what comes out. I've heard a lot of artists talk about, like, the lack of control and choice when it comes to the things that you are inspired to do. And I, I people bug me about that in different ways with different intentions about wanting me to play, uh, you know, non-comedy music. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'm pretty money-oriented in a lot of ways, and there are a lot of pretty girls out there with guitars singing about their feelings. There's a lot of them. The market is saturated with them, and that's great if that's what you do, right? But for me, I thought, I, I found something really special, and that's not really about me in a lot of ways. And I think that that has made it, along with the fact that it's very niche -y, uh, into something that's really successful. And I, I like that. And I like not having a real job. So I'm just going to stick with my weird thing that I do that has struck a chord. Because I don't know why I wouldn't... I, would, I don't know. I don't have a reason to diverge from it. And I got lots of ideas. <laughs> well, well, as someone who is uh, successful in her field, do you, have, uh, do you have any advice for people trying to do the same thing? Mm, like comedy music? Comedy music, yeah. Start. Just start. Just do it? Just do it. And... Because the, the longer you wait, the longer you'll wish that you'd started. So just start. And I think what the most important thing that will keep you going and learning and getting better is that you have to be comfortable failing at it over and over and over again. You have to love it so much that you can fail at it and still want to do it after, which I think is a powerful kind of passion. So if you have that and you're willing to be brave enough to just give yourself the space to fumble and fall over and figure out what you're doing and find your thing then you're ready to go. Just go. Go, 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 go. Go right now. Do it right now. Yeah, good advice. You've toured, uh, let's say, all over the world with your act. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite city you've performed in? Oh. Don't say Perth. 
Because I know you're lying if you, if you do. Well, I have a top three. Can okay. I give you my top three? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, in no particular order, Victoria, BC, Orlando, Florida, and Perth. Really and truly. Really? Oh, yeah. Man, the audiences there are up for a good time, you know? Well, when you're there for Fringe, that's like the one week where something's happening <laughs> in the town. So everyone, it's like when summer happens here and everyone is out doing activities. Mm-hmm. It's like the the summer of entertainment. Yes, Perth Fringe and Perth Fringe is world class. It's really good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've I saw some of the best things I've ever seen there because people come getting ready. They're starting to develop their shows for Melbourne Comedy Festival or for Edinburgh. So, yeah, you're getting the best of the best, and then you're getting it, you know, in a tropical paradise with really nice um, audiences. So it's uh, and if you you know you have a bad night, you go cry on the beach. It's amazing. You can't do that really. In- <laughs> In uh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Saskatchewan landlocked? Exactly. Oh, I was asking. I don't know. Oh, it is. Yes. Right. It's very, very landlocked. Is, I just went there for the first time this summer. Actually. Is Saskatoon in Saskatchewan or is that Saskatoon. just how they say it? Saskatoon? Saskatoon. Right. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Okay. Is that, is that just like a First Nation word or is it? Yeah, they are both First Nations words. I can't remember. Saskatchewan, I believe, means uh, uh, swift running river, I think is what it means. And then I can't remember what Saskatoon means. Maybe Swift running something else. Something else with a Swift. With a river. I almost said with a ribbon. For anyone on CITR, thanks so much for tuning in. That's the end of our time slot, but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com. For anyone else, stick around. We've still got lots more to talk about with Shirley. And before the show, I asked Shirley about a comedic influence to talk about today, and she came back with Weird Al Yankovic. So what does the Vicar of Yanks mean to you? The reason I wanted to talk about him was because he became famous for being a parodist, like doing parodies specifically of specific songs, which are all wonderful and beautiful and hilarious and lovely. Um, But he's uh, very underrated as a original comedy songwriter. And there's parody elements, obviously, to his original work. Essentially, he's taking either entire genres or specific styles of specific bands and then writing his own song in that style. Um, but I think a lot of comedy songwriters do that to a certain degree. Uh, he just has this particularly finely tuned sense of parody that he uses so well in his original work that uh, when I was growing up and I'd have his albums, I would I really liked those songs as much as I liked the parodies. And I think it had a big impact on how I approach comedy music. I'd... Uh... Agree with that. I mean, I think my mom had this preternatural sense about me, and just one Christmas got me like four Weird Al albums <laughs> before I'd even heard, heard of him. Right. It was probably just like he's a weird kid. It doesn't seem to be that into music yet. Huh. What? Why not every Weird Al album that was out at the time? I think. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. But yeah, it shaped me a lot. And yeah. then, um, you know, reading his story and stuff. Mm. Uh, is what one made me want to get into radio as well. Really? Um, so the same start as him is uh, doing a comedy radio show. Mm. In that he was uh, inspired by Doctor Demento. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So he's, I guess you could call Doctor Demento my uh, comedy grandfather. Or yeah, something. he is. <laughs> uh, so w- w- what's your favorite uh, Weird Al? Original. Original. Um, that's easy. That's a song called "You Don't Love Me Anymore." It is essentially. How do I just, I mean, it's one of those things where describing comedy sort of takes the magic out of it, but essentially the song is a parody on that style of song where you start to suspect that your partner doesn't love you anymore. But the things that 
his partner is doing are psychotic. Like she's basically trying to kill him, but he's like, oh my God, this funny feeling about this. Like he's treating it like it's these subtle things at dinner, but it's like, you know, slamming his face down on a barbecue grill and cutting the brakes on his car and leaving him in a drainage ditch for dead. And he's just still like, I'm not, I just have this funny. <laughs> it's just brilliant. And it's so beautifully sung, lovely guitar. Um, and it, there's there's something about it that it's sort of talking about denial in a really nice way I think that song like it's really making fun of someone's ability to have cognitive dissonance by exaggerating the things that that person is doing in a way that's got a truth to it that is really really funny and actually that song I didn't hear when I was a kid I missed that one but I have a friend who used to play it at parties it just it was so great um, so I went back and listened to it then, um, about 15 years ago. And yeah, uh, that's my favorite. It's too good. Y'all can pause this and go listen to it or write it down on your phone. I'll put it on the website. Oh, perfect. For the, uh, on the uh, the episode page for this. Mm. I think my favorite original song of his, and I've always thought this is original song, so correct me if it is actually a parody. <laughs> good question, because sometimes you, it's hard to tell. You're like, is this It might a be an song? obscure song, or, I mean, because I listened to them in the 90s when I was under 10. Yeah. And, um... Uh, is Why Does This Always Happen to Me? Do you know that one? I feel like I do. So the premise of that one is he'll say like something along the lines of there was like a, he was driving to work and there was like a 20 car pile up and all these people die. And then he's late to work. Why does this always happen to me? me? And it's just like more and more of those sort of things. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an original. I'm pretty sure that's an original. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much his style of comedy too. He's, uh, He's got a, for some, for someone who's not a, who's a clean uh, parody and comedy uh, person, he's got a very dark sense of humor. Um, yeah. So he, he will weave in very dark images to a lot of his original stuff, which I've always loved. I've like, always res- respected that, that he's dark without being crude. Exactly. Because I can never pull that off. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, it's, there's no swearing in it, but you know. He has a song called Those Were the Good Old Days. Do you know that one? No. Well, he's essentially in that song, he's a sociopath. So he's having all this sort of nostalgia for when he was a burgundine sociopath. <laughs> and it's true. Those were the good old days. Um, and, and one of the, he like takes his ex-girlfriend out to a desert, cuts off her hair and ties her to a chair and then leaves. That's really dark. It's sort of the antithesis of the that other one with the uh, psycho girlfriend. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of it, I mean... I don't know if that would even fly now, something like that that's so violent. But um, yeah, like it's a lot of violence. I think he he could pull it off. I find a lot of people just see him as this this clown. And I used to, uh, when I had this show back in Perth, uh, it was a different thing. It was on the radio and I would just play comedy clips. Nice. And I would end every episode with a Weird Al song. Nice. And the guy who was on after me was this guy who would only do like torn down lo-fi rock. And he was like... 50 and was bald with a ponytail oh yeah and everyone knows that guy yeah and he would just like give me a hard time about weird Al all the time and he's mm-hmm. like he's just singing other people's songs i'm like you just you just played kurt cobain's cover of man who sold the world yeah that's just a guy playing a song yeah and weird Al puts more of a spin on it yeah because he's changing the lyrics he's yeah. chucking an accordion in there yeah um he's starting <laughs> beef with coolio yeah it's starting huge beef <laughs> Oh, I mean, to be fair, Coolio was 23 when that happened. Oh, he was a baby. 
I remember being 23 in college and thinking, fuck, I, I better graduate soon because Coolio had already released Gangster's Paradise by this time. <laughs> but I said that yeah. to my um, uh, studio coordinator at the time, which is yeah. what in architecture you call your professors. Oh. And um, he said, don't worry, Mozart was 14 when he was famous. Thanks a lot. That's brilliant, though. Uh, I didn't realize Coolio was that young when he did Gangster's Paradise. Yeah, well, think about this. I mean, uh, them, Biggie and Tupac guys. were yeah. like 26 when yeah. they died. Yeah, they're babies. And Tupac looks 40. But yeah, I yeah, only found that out babies. recently. I just always thought of them as older than me. Yeah. Because um, I, I was listening to Juicy yesterday, mm-hmm. and he's talking about like wanting to feed his daughter. And I'm like, this guy, this guy is like, when he sang this song, is like four or five years younger than I am now. Yeah, yeah. I'm struggling to feed myself. Yeah. Hey, I think it's a different. He came from a different time and a completely different world. I don't think we could be more different. Uh, yeah, uh, me, I mean, and, me and Biggie. How <laughs> do we start like, talking about this, Coolio? <laughs> Let's talk about how how different we are from <laughs> rappers in the nineties. What? Okay, <laughs> similarities and differences between Shirley Gnome and Lil Pump. <laughs> I don't even know who that is, so that's probably indicative of how different we are. <laughs> Well, you know, he probably doesn't know who you are either, so that's... We have that in common. Yeah. Aw, common ground. You can always find it. Pretty much the same. He's the guy who sings Gucci Gang. I don't know what that if is you, either. If you've ever heard someone say Gucci Gang. Not anyway, yet, but I, I'm, I'm... I like him. Say what you will, I like him. He's you one like of, him? He's should one, get, of, one of those mumble rappers, though. Oh, can People I give him a gook? You know what? Uh, yes. Uh, you know what? You might have seen all those memes recently with Kanye West in the big block suit. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty old right now. That's with Lil Pump. Uh, okay, well, I'll get in with the youth culture. Well, uh, after I, I this. only know about this stuff. I listened to uh, Who Charted with Howard Kramer, <laughs> nice. where he, he talks about the. Uh, it's a podcast where he, I don't need to be giving him a plug on here. Uh, but, but you are, and that's but really I am. generous of you. Yeah, because, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. And maybe someone who listens to this hasn't heard of this podcast that's probably the second biggest podcast on the Earwolf Network. Wow. But uh, they talk about the charts each week. It's oh, good. that's really cool, yeah. man! That might make me feel more relevant if I listen to that. As I, uh, oh, and, I live and, in and a Howard home. is like forty-seven, so he'll he'll go and watch like all the movies that are in the theaters, but he'll do it a la carte, <sighs> in that he'll watch like ten minutes of each of them and then review it based on that. <laughs> He's a real funny guy. That sounds wonderful. Uh, we're talking about Weird Al songs. Yeah. My, some of my favorite songs of his are actually his poker medleys, which, oh. uh, in oh, some ways, sorry. uh, the. They're less and more unique than the other ones in that they use the same words in the same tune, but... Everything else. Uh, I have to admit, uh, being given those albums yeah. uh, as a youngster, that was the my first introduction to all the, the music that I got into as a teenager was Angry White Boy Poker. Amazing. And I, I hadn't heard The White Stripes before. Yep. And I hadn't heard The Strokes. Yep. <laughs> and, um, the Pokers so, are a gateway drug. Yeah. He's got he's got some rap ones as well. He does. I think the best ones are Angry White Boy Polka and the one uh, the alternative. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The one that has close up by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, on the it. '90s, like yeah. the sort of grunge rock one. Essentially, it's, I don't know what it's actually called now. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. It, it's like a grunge. It's got rock. some Smashing Pumpkins, some Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um, Alanis Morissette. Yep. Um, <laughs> that my favorite bit in that one is when he's doing, and I can't I I can't hear the original song without doing that bit is when he's doing called Lance Marset. You Yeah, that's know. the one. Yeah, exactly. You got it. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a 
It's a real signature moment, I think. Oh, God. Yeah, that one's my favorite, I think. And that's very much, you know, comes from when I was an early teenager. So it was just the perfect thing of like my childhood love of Weird Al and my sort of developing my musical tastes all coming together in this polka. Uh, And interestingly enough, when he performs it, his band is amazing. His live band is like so tight. And a lot of his members have been in the band like for 30 years or whatever the whole time. And they play to a click and they're so tight that you can take a video of a live performance of the polka and stick it with the actual recording from the album and they'll sync up perfectly. They don't miss a fucking beat. They play it perfectly like the album. That's not easy stuff to play. No. And so somebody online has taken a bunch of live videos of him doing that and he's and put all of the polkas back to back. And you can just sit there and watch like 20 minutes of his polka stuff to a version of him playing it that you don't even hear, but it doesn't, you can't even tell because the band is just so in the pocket. I think you, you not only can, but should do that. What's that? You not only can do that, but you should do that. <laughs> yeah, Watch exactly. all of those. Oh, please. Please do. You know, it's, re- it's really nice uh, talking about someone I didn't have to do too much research on. I'm glad you like them too. That's easy. Because uh, I, I, I do like most of the other comedians we talk about, but mm-hmm. I haven't had them so close to my chest mm. for a while. I've been asked by guests before, who would I talk about? Yes. And I never even thought to talk about Weird Al. Yeah. Because it's like... It's just so much a part of me that I didn't even think of it. <laughs> it's like, why would you even think about breathing? You know, I mean, I've even got it. like the long curly hair as well and the glasses. I used to wear the big weird hourglasses, but they broke and Aww. I haven't been able to find them. Now that I've found ways to buy cheap glasses, mm-hmm. I can't find the shitty ones for cheap. Right. Uh, That's weird. Because I used to get them out of bargain bins yeah. and then get lenses put in, but it still cost $200. Yeah. But now like these were 25 I got off the internet. Nice. Which, if you're not someone who has glasses, I don't know if you're wearing contacts right now. No, I don't have contacts. You don't know I the sometimes pain. Wear, I, I was wearing reading glasses for a while. It turns out I was just really stoned. I didn't need them. <laughs> ah, those were some good years. That's like a, a stand-up line right there. You'd but be surprised how my life just is a joke. <laughs> All the time, I'm like, well, I'm, I mean, I, I, a lot of times I just write songs and like, I'm like, oh, people are laughing. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just opening my heart. <laughs> Just opening up my heart and a, and a bunch of fart noises and rubber chickens are flying out. Weird Al is actually uh, one of my interview idols as well. Have you watched many of his interviews? Um, I haven't. Uh, I've only watched the ones where he, like, when he took over Much Music and he re-edited old interviews. Well, that's what I was leading up to. Oh, okay. Do you want, do you want to watch the Paul McCartney one right now? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, <laughs> Paul McCartney. Man, what a thrill this is. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Our sure in Big Gara, the top of the morning. You can just say hello. Hello. Paul, you're acting stupid. Oh, I'm really sorry I do that sometimes. Now, what did I say? You start acting silly, and you don't get your cookie at the end of the show. Uh, uh, you okay, then. Just be good. Okay, you, know, you go and you tell me what to do. I don't know what's going on. All right, cheer up. So, how's it going, Paul? Everything's vibrating, dude. That's nice. Before we get started, are you comfortable? Can I get you anything? Water. Okay. There you go. A nice cup of water for Mr. McCartney. Wait a minute. Am I paying for it? Uh, No, Paul. The first one's free. There you go. Drink up. There. Now, can I get you anything else? Beef. What? I thought you and Linda were strict vegetarians. 
Okay, okay, beef coming up. Ugh. There. Now, are we finally gonna do this interview? We're gonna do it. Joe. It's Al, remember? Not Joe. Anyway, just so I have it straight, you were, uh, you were known as the Stinky Beetle, right? What? Or was it the Cute Beetle? I forget one of those. Anyway, um, what kind of music are you listening to these days? Do you like jazz or maybe classical? I don't like jazz. I don't like classical. I see. So, what kind of music are you listening to? Uh-huh, John Tesh. What else? Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. Uh, then what? So you have very eclectic tastes. That's good. Uh, speaking of music, I was just wondering, have you heard my new album yet? That is probably the worst album, the album I hate most. Oh. Well, what do you think of my underarm deodorant? Hey! Yeah, I knew you'd like it. So, Paul, I guess this is a pretty big moment for you, being on TV with me. Do you realize that at this very moment, there are literally dozens of people watching you? Oh, my God. That's right. So now, as a public service, I'd like to show everybody an extreme close-up of your lips. Wow! Check out those lips! Look at those lips! That's Paul's lips! <laughs> hey, did you know that the camera guy here is ticklish? Watch this. <laughs> wow, isn't this fun? No. All right, time for you to entertain me. I want you to sing some bip-bop music. Boy, no, no, no. Oh, come on, we want bip-bop music. Give us some bip-bop music. Bip-bop, bip-bop, real. Oh, that was just great, thanks. Oh, by the way, isn't that the shirt I got you for Christmas? Oh, it looks good on you. And you know, I'm still wearing that steel wool underwear you got me. Oh. Anyway, let's talk about the old days. Now, I hear you used to be quite popular with the females. Not just humans, either. Uh, let's change the subject. Um, couple of quick questions. How much do you have in your wallet right now? You know, a billion. Wow, impressive. Hey, can I borrow five bucks? No, man. Okay. Um, how do you feel about sticking pencils up your nose? I love that. <laughs> Knew you would. You know, I've had this piece of broccoli stuck in my teeth for the last week. You think I should floss with a dull razor blade? You've got to do it, man. It's, it's the best way. Well, I'll take your word for it. Say, do you think your head will explode if you listen to too much Millie Vanilli? I think it will. So, Paul, being a famous bass player and all, you must have an incredibly well-developed thumb. Will you show us your thumb? Oh, okay. <laughs> Would you do anything I asked you to? Yeah. Would you paint my house? Why not? Would you shave my back with your teeth? I actually don't have that much a problem with that. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show, Paul. You did a terrific job. Oh, did I? Yeah, you were great. And let me just tell you confidentially, you were always my favorite member of Wings. Say, I'm getting some people together to go bowling after the show. You want to come along? That is, like, just so romantic. No, it's just bowling, Paul. You want to come or not? It just would be great. It's been my dream. Well, all right, you're there. Any final words for our viewing audience? Yes, I couldn't agree more. <laughs>
a couple of visual gags in there uh, for the listeners, but uh, yeah, uh, I love that one. Man, I mean, the material that he had to begin with to carve out that interview, like all of the stuff that he was doing in a regular interview, that along with the fact that whoever filmed him got the lighting just perfect and the style of the camera, like it was just, it's <laughs> there's a lot going on there that's... You, you could show that to, to an uninformed person. They believe that it was yep. the actual interview. <laughs> it was really well done. Uh, so I don't want to get too much into like nitty gritty history and stuff. There is a podcast called Wizard and the Bruiser on the Last Podcast Network that has a great episode on Weird Al if uh, you want to learn about him. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I could always learn more. Yeah, they go really into detail with it. They talk about his, his parents. Have you listened to it? I have. Have you ever read the press release that he released when his parents passed away i haven't it sounds uh like it would be it's the most it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever read it's insane he's just i mean he's talking about a person who comes out the world from a very positive place um because his parents they died because there was like i believe it was a gas leak in their house that's right it was just like an absolute tragedy yeah one they, in a million. Yeah, yeah, total freak accident. And so they both died. And, and then he was on the road. And so he did a press release talking about why he was going to keep performing. It is, I, I won't, I don't want to paraphrase it because I'd rather people just read it. But man, it was, uh, it's very moving. It's a very <laughs> surprisingly moving thing, um, the way he, he um, processes it. And uh, yeah, and that's one of, the, you know, I guess I don't know too much about his life, but that one, I mean, that kind of It's always stuff out. like that that uh, gets you. Oh yeah, the Happy Bill. Have you ever seen uh, the eulogy that Big Bird gave at? Um, yep. At Jim Henson's funeral. Yep. Yeah, that that one's pretty rough as well. That's devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. Why would they do that? I mean, it's I don't know, uh, just intense grief processing, I suppose. Like, let's let all that stuff rise to the top, but it's something you can't deny. <laughs> if we go off on a tangent, have you ever seen how they operate Big Bird? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I have. I don't know if I want to know, <laughs> but I probably do. All right, so the guy is in there. Yeah. And he's got Big Bird's head on a stick. Oh, yeah. Which is a weird thing to say. Yes. But there's a camera in Big Bird's head, so he knows which way to look. And yeah. he's got a little TV. Yeah. And he sees the world through a TV. Yes, I have seen that. I have it's, seen that. It's it's crazy. It's in, there was like a Jim Henson doco that they had a while back, I think. I you think know, I, I should watch there. that as a huge Jim Henson fan. Oh yeah, you should. I watched it. I guess that was. There's a, years a ago. really good Jim Henson episode of Wizard and the Bruiser as well. While Is I'm there? while I'm plugging podcasts that are bigger <laughs> than my own. <laughs> Hey, that's, it's, that's how you get to the, I mean, in this, in, the internet is just a sea of garbage, right? And you need people to guide you through to find the gems floating around because there's so much stuff that isn't going to be to your taste. So why not tell the good people who are already listening to this of something they might like? You know what? And maybe I'll put the names of all those podcasts in the description of this just for SEO purposes. Ooh, ah. That's a good idea, right? Now everyone's so, benefiting. So now when you hear me say this, it won't be as cringy to you, the viewer, like, oh, look what he's doing. He's swinging up. I'm not swinging up. I like them. <laughs> yes. So uh, what else are you working on right now? Oh, well, um, I just got back from touring. And um, so right now I'm working on lying in bed and staring at the ceiling and doing nothing, smoking lots of herbs. And uh, and then next week. Well, not until October 17th. Of course. Well, this is, you know. You're just waiting. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I said I was smoking herbs. I didn't say I was smoking weed. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm just Sorry. practicing. My, mis- my mistake. I'm smoking yeah. oregano until it's legal, and then I'm going to switch. I just got to get my throat and lungs ready. So uh, 
I'm going to start working on a new album. I'm going to start writing songs. Uh, I've already kind of got some ideas from my last tour and uh, I'm also working on a Christmas song that's going to come out on 604 Records that uh, my producer Kevy is going to produce. Um, I'm really stoked on that. And then next year uh, in March, I'm hitting the U.S. for a 25-city tour with a couple of burlesque dancers for a cabaret review. So that's sort of my six months. Um, I'm really looking forward to being back home and writing, and um, I'm really excited for whatever's going to come out. And yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I, I, writing the songs is my favorite part, so I couldn't be more happy. Where can people find and purchase your albums? Uh, well, my independent releases, I have three of those. They're available on my Bandcamp page. Uh, and then you can also get my new album through 604. Um, you can get it through their website, or you can get all of them through iTunes, Spotify, uh, CD Baby. Um, you can, Yeah, they're, they're basically... Uh, if you Google Shirley Gnome, you're going to find me. And look, if you're out of condoms and you're a responsible person, you want to continue practicing safe sex, the best way to do it is to buy one buy, of my, yeah. Buy the album because it comes with a condom. So, I mean, I can't you think can of a too. better way. <laughs> What's that? I said, he said it comes with a condom and, you know, you can too. Nice. See? Yeah. That's the comedy, folks, right there. Huh? It writes itself. Well, Matt, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to come. Yeah, and that was that was really fun talking about Weird Al as well. Likewise, I could talk about him all day, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking at some of those references so I can learn a bit more about him. And I'm probably going to listen to him all the way back home. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before I cut the recording? Uh, call your mom if you like her, and she's alive. That was Shirley Noem talking about Weird Al Yankovic. Join me next week when I talk to Harris Anderson about Jonathan Winters. This has been Comedy Zeitgeist. I'm Doug Vandalay. Follow me at Doug Vandalay and everything else at Cave Goblins. Make sure you have a listen as well to Everything Economics, which is back and better than ever. See you next time. <laughs>